Good morning. <laughs> I greet you in the name of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Welcome to all our guests. We trust that you will be encouraged in your faith as we worship together this morning. I'd like to read for us from the words of the Psalms, Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded his blessing, life forevermore. And God has has, uh, granted us that life and blessed us with it. Could you, uh, would you please uh, bow with me and let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, which shapes our thinking, which directs our thoughts, and which uh, instructs us in how to behave. We also thank you, Father, for your spirit, who indwells those who believe and guides them with the word and helps them to see the word. Your spirit is our teacher And we thank you for your spirit. And Father, we thank you that we as a body can gather here and that today we can celebrate communion, that we can practice that unity and that we can have in mind that we want to continue to practice that unity and to not be divided by the things that cause division in the world, but to be united as your people under Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for bringing us together here this morning. It is with joy that we come to the table. In Jesus' name, amen. Heather, would you lead us in some singing? Good morning. Uh, I would invite you to join me in two songs to start with. We'll start with Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, which is 115 in your hymnal. And if you would like to, I invite you to stand. Thank you. 
Praise the Lord, absolutely. Uh, the next song we'll sing is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's 135 if you're using your hymnals. Let's open up our uh, bulletins for just a few announcements here. Just looking at the work of the church, our missionaries this week are K&K. Just remember to pray for them as they look for ways to connect with those in their neighborhood on what it means to celebrate the birth of Christ. Um, also, we've got uh, our deacon election coming up, and one announcement is that uh, due to health concerns, uh, Dietrich has withdrawn his name. So uh, the one name there is Dennis Dirksen. Next week, a women's Sunday school class will begin. Eileen uh, has consented to leading that. And uh, that is Eileen Engbrecht. And then we've got uh, our church planning sessions coming up. There are some details there in the bulletin. Uh, we're looking at the end of January. And if you want to participate in those discussions, then sign up is required. And uh, you'll find out why as you, after you sign up. <laughs> um, events of our church uh, coming up in the near future, that would be tomorrow. 
quarterly membership meeting. So uh, please prepare yourselves and to come here and, and meet, and we'll be discussing some important things. Also, uh, an upcoming event uh, is the Winkler Bible Camp uh, drive through fundraiser, December 1, 2, and 3. They're asking you to pre-order your meals uh, if you want to uh, buy one or several. You can do that on the website or by phone. Then, uh, looking to the, some of the people in our church, we've got, in the hospital, we've got Olga Friesen uh, with uh, cancer in her neck. She's being fitted with a custom brace to help her, help her to be able to deal with that cancer. Um, Dietrich Martins is still in the hospital and, uh, there are ongoing tests for some, um, some concerns there. Peter Penner, whom you may remember, uh, we announced a number of months ago that he was waiting for heart surgery. That surgery happened on Thursday. Uh, Eva called. She said it was successful. So, uh, Praise the Lord for that, and let's keep praying for recovery there. Then Kyleen Penner also shared that her father has undergone some treatment and is is uh, recovering. I think he's also still in hospital, so let's pray for that family also. And then P.L. Suderman um, has recently gone for some tests for some uh, unexplained shortness of breath. Let's be in prayer for them. Uh, could be that they have those results already, I just haven't heard and then uh, we've got a few, a few deaths to announce. One is David Friesen, whom I haven't met, um, but was a member of this church and wrote the history of our church, Journey of Faith. David Friesen of Edmonton, Alberta, passed away on September 18, having reached the age of 100 years. He'll be remembered as the author of our history book, Journey of Faith, a former active member of our congregation and a high school English teacher. Um, does anyone know how long ago it has been since he was here? It's not recently, is it? No, okay. As I said, I haven't met him. But that family is in mourning. And then also uh, Edna Thiessen passed away Tuesday, November 23rd. A private, service fam- uh, private family service was held. She was a mother to Pat and Jack Unger and Holly and Adrian DeLorme and their families. Then we've also got at the bottom of the bulletin there is a note of thanks from Dietrich and Marge as the church has kind of rallied around them through a difficult time. So why don't we uh, stand and uh, bring these things before the Lord in prayer, and then I'll ask the ushers also to come forward. Father in heaven, We thank you for this day, that you know and love your people. And uh, we thank you that you can see all things at all times, and that nothing is a mystery to you. We also are thankful, Father, for our salvation through Jesus Christ, that through his shed blood we are saved from our sins, and that we are redeemed forever to be with you. And because Christ died for us, we know that we are precious to you, And so we come to you with great confidence and great joy. Thank you, Father, for our missionaries, K&K. You know the place in which they live. You know the challenges that presents, but also the many opportunities. So, Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom and joy to share the good news that they have with those around them about what it means that Christ came to earth. Father, we also 
are thankful that a women's Sunday school is going to begin this week, and we pray that um, we pray that your will would be would come about as as women gather around the word and dig into it and drink deeply of your word. And I pray that Father, it would grow the church. Thank you, Father, also for the planning sessions that have been arranged for our church. I pray, Father, that you would give us uh, also a sense of responsibility in how we, how we need to go forward and also a sense of uh, give us, Father, your vision for this church. How do you want us to walk into the future? We know that it is with you and it, and it is you we trust, and so we're looking for your wisdom and direction. Father, we also pray that you would be with us at our quarterly meeting uh, tomorrow. Uh, we have things to discuss there that are important, and I pray that you would give us wisdom to do it and also help us to r- remember that we are coming together as brothers in unity. Thank you, Father, also for those of us who are suffering. We know that suffering produces good in us, even though we do not enjoy the suffering, and yet you work out marvelous things in our faith as we journey through difficult times. We pray for Olga Friesen, for Dietrich Martens, for Peter Penner, for Kyleen's, uh, Kyleen's father, and for P.L. Suderman. And then, Father, we also pray for all those family members around them that support them and encourage them and bless them and serve them. Father, would you walk with these families as they deal through with their difficulties? And, Father, some of these may end in uh, going home. Some of these may end in uh, staying here for, for a long time yet. In any case, we belong to you, and we thank you that you are with us. Father, we also bring before you those who grieve, the families of David Friesen and Edna Thiessen. Thank you for their lives, for their faith, for the many people that they touched in their lives. And I pray, Father, as the families mourn and grieve, that you would comfort, that you would grant peace, and that you would bless. And now, Father, we want to give to you of the, of the abundance that you have blessed us with. We are blessed beyond measure, and so, Father, we want to uh, return a great blessing back to you, that you will use it for your kingdom as you see fit. Thank you that you accept our gifts, that you hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
Forgive me for forgetting our Advent reading. Come on up, Elsie. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and I'll be reading three passages from the Bible, as well as having a prayer. First scripture reading is from Jeremiah 33, verses 14 to 16. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely, and this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Psalm 25, verses 1 to 10. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they've been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and declares the humble and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Luke 21, 25 to, verses 25 to 36. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and the day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Our prayer. 
Our Father in heaven, it is marvelous in our eyes that you promised not long ag- from long ago of salvation that is yet to come. You sent that message of hope through your servants, the prophets, that those who place their trust in you will not be put to shame, but they will seek your steadfast love and mercy and know the faithfulness of our God. Yet along with the salvation of those who believe will come the reward of those who despise the grace of God. Judgments will come upon the earth because of the wicked. Father, pour out on us your spirit that we may gain a heart of wisdom, that we may turn from all wickedness and in humility bend knee and acknowledge your majestic glory. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to absorb in his flesh the punishment for all our sin. It is with glad and humble hearts that we acknowledge Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh to save his people from their sins. Now hear our prayer as we pray the way Jesus taught us. And please join me here. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Luke 22, verses 7 to 23. Judas has agreed to betray Jesus, and these verses are following that, and they're entitled The Last Supper. Luke 22, verses 7 to 23. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The father asks, Where is the guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room, all furnished with preparations. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, as they prepared the Passover. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But in the, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. 
The Son of Man will go as it had been decreed, but woe to that man who belongs to him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be he would might be who would do this. So far the reading of God's word. Jim Sibylla preaches at a church in the slums of New York City. He tells the following story. It was Easter Sunday, and I was so tired at the end of the day, I just went to the edge of the platform, pulled down my tie, and sat down and draped my feet over the edge. It was a wonderful service with many people coming forward. The counselors were talking with these people. As I was sitting there, I looked up the middle aisle, and there about the third row was a man who looked about 50th, disheveled, but 50. He looked up at me rather sheepishly as if saying, could I talk with you? We have homeless people coming in all the time and asking for money or whatever. So I sat there. I said to myself, though I'm ashamed of it, what a way to end a Sunday. I've had such a good time preaching and ministering, and here's a fellow probably wanting some money for some more wine. He walked up. When he got within about five feet of me, I smelt a horrible smell I'd ever smelt in my life. It was so awful that when I got close, I could inhale only by looking away. And then I'd talk with him, and then once again look away because I couldn't inhale facing him. I asked him, what's your name? David. How long have you been out on the street? Six years. How old are you? Thirty-two. He looked fifty, hair matted, front teeth missing, wino, eyes slightly glazed. Where did you sleep last night, David? Abandoned truck. I keep my uh, my back at uh, pardon me. I keep in my back pocket money clip that holds some credit cards and some money. I fumble to pick something up. I'll give him some money. I won't get a volunteer. They're all too busy at this time with others. Usually we don't give money to people. We just take them out to get something to eat. I took money out, and David pushed his finger in front of me. He said, I don't want your money. I want this Jesus, the one that you're talking about, because I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die on the streets. But oh, uh, I completely forgot about David. And I started to weep for myself. I was going to give a couple of dollars to someone God had sent to me. See how easy it is? I could make an excuse that I was tired. There is no excuse. I was not seeing him the way that God sees him. I was not feeling what God feels. But oh, did that change. David just stood there. He didn't know what was happening. I pleaded with God, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Please forgive me. I am so sorry to represent you this way. 
I'm sorry. Here I am with my message and my points, and you send someone that I'm not ready to, oh God. Something came over me. Suddenly I started to weep deeper, and David began to weep. He fell against my chest as I was sitting there. He fell against my white shirt and tie, and I put my arms around him. And there we wept on each other. The smell of his person became a beautiful aroma. Here is what I thought the Lord made real to me. If you don't love this smell, I can't use you because this is why I called you to where you are. This is what you are about. You are about this smell. Christ changed David's life. He started memorizing portions of scriptures that were incredible. We got him to a place to we got him a place to live. We hired him in the church to do some maintenance and we got his teeth fixed. He was a handsome man when he came out of the hospital. They detoxed him in 6 days. He spent that Thanksgiving at my house. He also spent Christmas at my house. When we were exchanging presents, he pulled out a little thing and said, "This is for you." It was a little white hanky. It was the only thing that he could afford. A year later, David got up and talked about his conversion to Christ. The minute he took the mic I began to, and, and he began to speak, I said, That man is a preacher. That this past Easter we ordained David. He is an associate minister of a church over in New Jersey. And I was so close to saying, here, take this, I'm a busy preacher. We do get so full of ourselves at times. Close quote. When Jesus came, he came to save the lost sinners, whether they were people who wore business suits or whether they were the people on the street. We all need a Savior and they're all lost. And Jim understood this after his Easter message. This morning, we want to take a look at communion and also what is also known as the Lord's Supper. It was Thursday evening, and Jesus had gathered in an upper room with the disciples to have his last meal with his followers. It was just before he was going to face the horrible death and the crucifixion and it was all going to come on him. The passage of scripture that we want to focus on is the portion that Susan read, found in Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 23. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we give you thanks for this day. We realize that you have come for everyone, for the rich, for the poor, and for everyone in between. You gave your life sacrificially because no matter where we are in the spectrum, we are all sinners and need a Savior. Help us to realize that we come before you, and as we come before you, it is only your blood that purchased our salvation. And all must come your way if we are to attain salvation, for it is a gift of God. It is free and by your grace. Help us to understand this gift and the cost that you paid 
because you gave everything when you laid your life down at Calvary. I pray now that you would speak to our hearts once more. Help us to understand your infinite love that you have towards us, your love and your care, but not just to us, but to those around who still do not need, and you've called us to be your witnesses and your example. May we go with your strength. Teach us this morning from your scriptures. From For this we pray. Amen. I've entitled this message, The Last Supper, The Last Supper. It's three parts to The Last Supper. The first part is this, is the preparation of The Last Supper, verses 7 through 13. The, the day of unleavened bread on which the pass, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed was at the beginning of the feast, which lasted during the days of the Jewish month, and it's called Nisan, from the 15th to the 21st. On our calendar, it falls in between April or March and April, and that's kind of the reason why Easter is where it is. That's when the Passover took place. The Jewish calendar is based on lunar cycles. The moon starts with a thin crescent and continues until the moon is full, which takes 29.5 Days. The Passover was to be eaten in the city walls of Jerusalem. And Jesus sent Peter and John, who are the two leaders within the disciples, to go and make preparations for this special time. The preparations involved taking care of the sacrifice of the lamb in the temple, along with roasting and preparing all the side dishes. It wasn't just a short time, but this was also a week's celebration that would take place. The preparation involved taking care, as I said, of all the sacrifice that would, uh, would happen then. So this was the whole meal that they had to organize according to the Old Testament scriptures. When Peter and John inquired about where to make preparations, Jesus gives exact detailed instructions on what to do. He replies, verse 10, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room and where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparation there. The question is, did Jesus have foreknowledge of this, or did he prepare the whole, everything beforehand with the owner? The scripture does not say, but it's interesting to note that Jesus knew before um, Jesus knew before that there would be a man they would meet carrying water. Why is that so significant? This is significant because carrying water was considered to be a woman's responsibility, and Jesus told them, go, and there will be a man carrying. How did Jesus know that beforehand? Yet Jesus knew that they would be preparing and they would meet this individual. We now move on to the second part of Last Last Supper, which is number two, the meal, found in verses 14 through 20, the meal. When the hour had come, Jesus reclined at the table with his disciples. It was not a table with chairs like we sit at, 
and with chairs pushed up against it, but rather a table where everyone was reclining on cushions to hold themselves up. So you can imagine, most of us would say, man, that wouldn't suit us very good. But they would sit around, and perhaps it was in the middle of the floor. There was kind of a table, maybe a few inches off. Everything was prepared there, and people laid around or sat against one another or on cushions. Also, this was an occasion meant for the followers of Christ. And they were going to be instructed again. You know, when we eat, who do we eat with? We eat with our friends. We eat with our close associates. And we invite them in. And that's why Jesus invited them to the Last Supper. This was the Last Supper. This is the time Jesus wanted to spend with them and to instruct them and to show how much he loved them. Jesus was looking forward to this time because this would be the opportunity to share wine representing his blood and the bread, his body, with his disciples. This was going to be one of the sacraments that Jesus wanted the disciples and his followers to participate in remembrance of him. And that's why we celebrate the Last Supper. Jesus then says this in verse 16, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. This was going to be the last meal that Jesus would eat with his disciples until the messianic banquet would take place after the Lord's return. This was the last supper. Yes, Jesus ate after the crucifixion because we knew that he ate um, fish with the disciples. And of course, when the disciples had gone back after the crucifixion and they went back to doing their old way of life of fishing, Jesus was on the shore preparing a breakfast, but it wasn't the banquet. This was the banquet night, the last supper when he was spending be, uh, spending with his disciples. Notice that Jesus took the cup twice. Do you ever notice that? How many times does Jesus took, take the cup? He took it twice. Once before the supper and again once after the meal. The first time he mentions that he will not do this again until the kingdom of God comes. The second time he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Poured out for you who are also here and for me. The new covenant is that his blood would pay for all the sins and no longer would require, would there be a requirement for a sacrifice that they would have to do all the time. No longer would they have to go to a priest who would be, who would do the mediation. Jesus became the priest himself, the mediation. And when we have problems or sin or whatever, We go to God, and how do we go to God? Through Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. The disciples were listening, but they did not fully understand what Jesus was telling them at this time. 
When Jesus takes the bread, he says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This, of course, runs parallel to the rest of the unleavened bread. The feast of the unleavened bread represented the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And the bread here represented Jesus' body being broken broken for the sins of the world. Jesus will be the Passover lamb as well as the bread of life. Just think about that. He was the Passover lamb. He is the bread of life. Jesus is so much more than even this. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the one that we worship. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is everything. He is all, everything is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and Savior, but he is our sacrifice. He is the one that gave his life that poured out his blood. Now we come to the last part of the Lord's Supper, which is number three, the prophecy, verses 21 through 23. What takes place is very unsettling for all the disciples because Jesus foretold that one of the disciples was going to betray him. However, they have no reason to doubt Jesus because they've already seen him perform countless miracles and they've already seen him read the Pharisees' minds. He knew the people's minds. Incredible. Verse 21 and 22 says this, But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine at the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to the man who betrays him. Yes, the hand would betray Jesus was not just with Jesus' hand on the table, but Judas had already gone out and started making everything that was needed for the betrayal. So the betrayal betrayer was right next to Jesus, and Jesus knew who he was, sitting at the table, right next to the Lord. Jesus reveals this after the supper. I want to point that out. Jesus reveals this after the supper because this shows that just because someone participates in communion does not guarantee salvation. If one is not born again, it doesn't matter whether you take communion or not. There must be a transformance, a transformance of life in us. God decreed this betrayal. And yet Judas decides. Incredible. Here is a picture of God's will working along man's will. Man has the freedom to choose, and yet God ordains all man's ways. Have you noticed that? And the thing is, how is that? Here's the answer. None of us understand that. None of us understand that. And I don't think we will until we get to heaven, and maybe not even then. However, what Judas is about to do is so evil and so wicked that Jesus says it would have been better for this person not to have been born. Judas' life was one of treachery. He was betraying a friend to be put to death. His hand was an accomplice in the murder. Judas was just as guilty as the religious leaders and even more. 
He sat next to Christ. He walked with Christ. He saw Christ perform the miracles. He knew everything about Jesus. He saw the love of Jesus. And he also saw what would happen that he was going to be giving his life. Jesus talked about, and I don't know even if Judas knew that he was going to be the one who participates by putting him to death. And yet, in some way, all of us have been putting Christ to death and have put him to death because we put him to death because he paid for our sins and without the ransom he would pay, we could not live. And in one way, we have all participated in Jesus' death. Of course, what follows is natural because they all began to ask each other who it would be. Is it I? Is it I? They asked the question. A betrayal is a horrible act because it comes from someone who is supposed to be your friend. It is a hideous sin. The Last Supper was filled with, with excellent teaching, fellowship, and a time of great sadness because of the betrayer. However, it was all part of the redemption plan. And this morning we take communion to remember the high price that Jesus paid. Indeed, it was his life, it was his very breath to purchase our salvation and our way back to God. Oh.
and the benediction for this morning. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And may you go in his strength, grace, and peace.